1: Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mark, how do you use your difference to make a difference?
2: Oh, how do you use your difference to make a difference? Well, I put together, uh, and I, uh, this shouldn't shock you, um, a purpose statement a few years back as I was working on this book project. And I said, you know, uh, as someone who's a brand builder, who's worked on marketing plans, you know, I got to have my own, right? Mm-hmm. For my personal brand. And so I was building my personal brand. I have to have a purpose statement that's going to be my North star. That's going to guide me on anything and everything I do. And it is, I don't want to just make money and retire. I want to make a difference and inspire. And that means making a difference in the lives of others. As I mentioned before, by paying it backward and inspiring them to want to do. Likewise, that whole ripple effect. So for me, um, I look at the fact that we're all given by our creator gifts, talents, whatever you want to call them. Um, and I try to use the ones that I've been given. I don't have that that many, Tyo, but the ones that I do, I want to turn into a living legacy. Ooh. So that every single day, we're all given 24 hours and I don't care who you are, you know what your demographics are, where you are in the world, what time zone you're in. We all have 24 hours in a day. And how we use it is the most important um, aspect of the value that we create and the use of the talents and gifts that we've been given. I just participated in something I found on uh, LinkedIn. It was called the 31 days of kindness. And every day they give you an email of something to do that day to demonstrate kindness. And I went through the full 31 days and I got to thinking, that's how you build habits, right? You do things over and over intentionally not randomly when the spirit moves you but intentionally so my goal now is to how i can be more intentional to use my gifts my talents to help others along their growth journey and grow into their full potential
1: how you day how you day that was the voice of mark nears you're going to find a lot of moments of synergy in this interview and sometimes You know, that happens when I'm interviewing people. You all know that my style of interviewing is more conversational. And we, you know, we were just talking about his book and how he found a way to write that book and why he thinks the book is necessary in today's world. And we really aligned on humanization. I really want you to pay attention to why we believe humanization is something that we can't lose in, you know, this age of AI, right? AI has a lot of benefits. But we never want to dehumanize each other in the process of new technology. We never want to dehumanize each other in the process of virtual environments and virtual workplaces. So how do we foster the benefits of the virtual work environment, as well as the age of AI while understanding that we need to humanize ourselves to ourselves and to others. I hope that as you listen, you find your own epiphanies. I also hope that you check out his book. He has a lot of interesting resources on his website as well, so please make sure you check out his website. He and I share a belief system that prioritizes words and we believe that words matter. And so I hope that it will cause you to reevaluate the words you use and really understand the power that each word has. With that being said, enjoy the episode. Welcome everyone to another episode of As Told by Nomads, and today's guest is Mark Mears. Now, Mark is a number one bestselling author, keynote speaker, consultant, visionary business leader, and he has a significant track record of building shareholder value. He's driven innovation and profitable growth among world-class high-profile brands such as PepsiCo, Pizza Hut, uh, McDonald's, Frito-Lay, JCPenney, NBC Universal, and the Cheesecake factory. Today, Mark serves as the Chief Growth Officer for Leaf Growth Ventures, LLC, a consultant firm helping individuals, teams, and organizations find purpose in their in fulfilling their true growth potential while making a positive lasting difference in the world. Yeah, that, was, that was a mouthful for me. <laughs> Sorry. Um, it's all right. <laughs> welcome to the show, Mark. Hey, Tayo. It's great to be here with you and your listeners today. The pleasure is mine. You you know, we were talking a little bit about some of the synergies between our work, and I I was talking about how a lot of my work is to fix toxic work environments, and, uh, and you you know, you had made the remark about how we're going to have a fun conversation, but I want to do something a little different with you here. I want to start with an epiphany before we dive into that, and and I believe that the date February 1, 2013 means something to you. Is that correct?
2: You're close. February twenty. oh, first uh, 2013, uh, it does. And uh, I'm so glad you asked about that because yeah. it really um, was was the turning point in how I used to lead um, and manage. And I say lead now more than manage because leadership is something that is not on a business card. It's something that must be earned every single day. Mm. But that day was of particular um, importance, Ty, as... I was the president of a about a half a billion dollar casual dining uh, chain based in Southern California, and we were owned by a publicly traded company, and I was recruited to head up that brand from the Cheesecake Factory, where I served as uh, Senior VP and Chief Marketing Officer, because I love challenges, and it was a challenge. Uh, it was down double-digit negative in sales. Uh, the brand had gotten a little bit long in the tooth. It needed to be refreshed with the new positioning Uh, And then a new concept kind of in the ground that could earn the right to capital for future growth. And I said, sure, sign me up. So I built a team and lo and behold, we turned it around. And in two years, we had it back to positive. We had a new exciting brand positioning. We had a new concept that we put in the ground and it was earning uh, its right to capital the return on invested capital that was about a four to five year horizon as part of our pro forma we proved that it could be done in three so everything we were asked to do we did and instead of getting the capital we felt like we earned and was promised the ceo pulled me aside and said mark the board's decided to move in a different direction we're going to put the brand up for sale but don't worry you're going to lead the sale process and we'll give you a sale bonus and a stay on bonus and all that, but um, they, they really want to strike while the iron's hot. You all have turned the brand around and quicker than we thought. And so they think this is the best play. And I'm like, okay, great. Um, we were going through the sale process that I was leading. We had a bunch of uh, tire kicking private equity firms and none of us wanted to go that route. But then there was a strategic play we thought this could work. This could be our really rightful parent and we could achieve all of our growth goals through them. And that's what they promised. So after months of courtship, the board picked them to buy the brand. The deal closed on a Friday, Tayo, and we're drinking champagne over the weekend, thinking this is gonna be our new future. Monday morning at eight o'clock I get called in and we're supposed to have a meeting with the CEO, the new CEO who was gonna work on a plan of how we were going to grow together. At 8.05, I'm out the door. Yeah. And it would have been 8.01, except for it took four minutes to get my jaw off the floor. Um, and uh, then over the next few weeks, my total team was was wiped out and they did everything they said they weren't going to do. Um, and I got my first real lesson in corporate America and how it could be, hey, it's not personal, just business.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, so that night I go home, I'm like, so that just happened. And after a fitful night of sleep, I get up the next day and I take my dog out and this is February 21st. Now, in New York or where I live in Kansas City, that's not where we see the first signs of spring, but in Southern California, we do. So when I had the dog out back, we had a a fig tree that was barren from the six or seven weeks of winter we do get in Southern California. But there on the end of one branch was this tiny little green sprig of a leaf just starting to bud. In that moment, I got this epiphany, as God is my witness, that a leaf is a symbol of growth and rebirth. Mm. And then as we all remember, probably somewhere in junior high or high school science, I forget, we learned that the source of growth for any tree or plant comes through its leaf through the miracle of photosynthesis. Mm. So I started playing this around, took the dog inside, went to in my office, kind of started banging out a treatment. And I got to thinking about this idea of a leaf. And I then remembered that my mantra in leading my team was based on the rule of threes. You may have heard of it. If you do three things and focus on three things, you're going to have more productivity and greater results and greater focus. And so my three things were leadership, engagement, and accountability. If we concentrate on those three things, we are going to achieve all of our goals. And, and, And we did. But then I got to thinking, well, what was missing? Well, as it turns out, fulfillment. So I never looked at it as Lee. It was always leadership, engagement, accountability. I used it in my speeches. I used it in my recognition and reward. I would say Tayo is demonstrating great leadership among his team. He's doing this. He's holding them accountable. He's engaging them on a deeper level with their heart, their head, their hands, and their habits. And everyone was like all bought in until then we were shown the door. So that idea of fulfillment is now become an acronym as leadership, engagement, accountability, and fulfillment mm-hmm. are now what I call the higher power of force. And I call it that because if you think about it, there are four seasons, not three. There are four directions, not three. There are four chambers to the human heart. And we'll get into that in a moment, not three. And there are four elements to an atom, the source of life, not three. And I could go on and on with this foreplay, but you get the idea. Oh. So this is a four circle Venn diagram model when you think about leadership, engagement and accountability and fulfillment, all having to work in harmony, but revolving around not just growth, but purposeful growth. So that really became the foundation for a new vision as to how I could lead differently by using a model that was like we say that sometimes you can't see the forest through the trees is right there in front of us all along. We all walk by leaves. Leaves come in any size, shape, color, texture, but the undeniable thing they all share is they're a source of growth for that plant or tree.
1: This is, you know, it's so fascinating. I was doing research on you and like me, you know, like you, I, I love seeing life in metaphors. The leaf view you was a symbol of, you know, growth, rebirth. And you've talked about the several, the four seasons and all these things And <laughs> I, I, I was reflecting on some pivotal moments I've had and how I've turned that into, or turned those rather into speeches. And I remember for me, my version of what you did was uh, using the word seed as Mm. a, (laughs) yeah, because so it it was, uh, yeah, I was talking to to younger, uh, you know, professionals. And I remember thinking about pivotal moments in my life. And, you know, for me, I was, you know, I, I believe that the S was, self-awareness you know the e was you know first e was exposure the second e was empower others and the the d the d was don't give up and i looked at yours yeah. because i i did the metaphor of the you know the seed you need to have something that is a foundation your self-awareness yes. that you need to grow to expose to the sunlight and then you need to figure out how to empower the rest of the you know the the world with what you know uh you know trees can do and then You don't give up when, even when you turn brown, you know, you need water and all that. And listening to you talk about the four chambers and the four seasons, especially with your ability to be a visionary in that lens. Mm -hmm. I wonder if there's an element of presence that you feel like is missing in today's world, because you were able to be present in a moment where most people wouldn't be. Yeah. And it was in your present moment that you saw something that, flipped your narrative
2: and so i'm just curious about your perspective on that yeah well first of all it sounds like we're you know uh, twin brothers from different mothers uh, because (laughs) i i love the seed metaphor and and in the leaf model i'll answer your question but just so you know uh leadership represents the seed and the root system good that that all leads to alignment in an organization through clarity um connection communication and commitment and I can go through all of them but I won't take up your time with that but it really is the foundation mm-hmm. and it's all designed to lead to alignment and again you know uh, you can drive with uh, you know three wheels but four wheels are better and when they're all in alignment right. yeah. they're going to take you down the road and they're going to you know make your tires wear longer right mm-hmm. so think about it as another metaphor of um I was able to go to the Olympics in Atlanta in 96 yes I'm old enough Uh, Uh, I remember that. (laughs) And we stayed on a houseboat in Lake Lanier. And I remember we would go to rowing events there on Lake Lanier. And you watch these rowers, um, various sizes and shapes, body types, et cetera. But their whole goal was to row in sync. And they call it the swing. Hmm. And it's when every oar is in the water and rowing together. So you think about it, uh, for that plant or tree to grow straight and tall and be productive, you know, think of an oak tree. You know, it's its um, root systems splays out as least as wide as its canopy. And you know what they say about an oak tree?
1: What do they say about it's it?
2: It's a little acorn that didn't give up. Oh. So to your point about you know, the D and you know, and not giving up, I mean that's a great. Addition for you for your speech, by the way, free of charge. Ah, uh, free of charge, uh, acorn. <laughs> I mean, think about it. It, it. that big oak tree just started from this one little acorn.
1: <laughs> you know, you know what's so funny? I love that we're able to play with this because I was thinking of the you know, in my speech, I used the Chinese bamboo tree, right? You know, how you oh, okay yeah. you constantly water it for a long time and it doesn't grow for a few years and then all of a sudden it sprouts to one of the tallest trees. And then I was like, you know, <laughs> any if any step was not taken in that in those years up until the yeah. moment it grows you don't experience that right and so it's so interesting what nature gives us in terms of lessons so um
2: yeah well speaking of, of, of chinese and bamboo what really the, this, this proverb is is something that i love it's it teaches us about patience but also about taking action
0: mm-hmm.
2: it says one of the two what are the two best times to plant a tree and everyone's thinking, oh, that's easy, spring or fall. No. The best time to plant a tree would have been 20 years ago. Yeah. Uh, because then today we would be enjoying its uh, shade, its fruit, uh, et cetera, right? Yeah. But the second best time to plant a tree is today. today. Don't wait, right? And so it teaches us a little bit about taking action, but also to your point about the idea of patience. Now, yeah. back to your question. Um you know, um, I'm a, a pretty spiritual person and I, I believe that was an epiphany that was given to me after one of the darkest nights of my life. Mm. Imagine, um, you know, working your tail off for two straight years. Uh, and I can't even tell you the sacrifices I made. I literally would stayed in a hotel across from the office cause I lived two and a half hours away. It, LA is a pretty big area, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I was away from my family. I was working crazy hours. I was traveling all over the the, the we had 145 restaurants at the time in 24 states, and so, uh, and again, a publicly traded company. Uh, I was there for pre board meetings, board meetings, post board meetings, and then it, the cycle continued. But all of it was because we had this grand vision, right? So. The the point is, we still need strong leadership. As I mentioned, it's the seed and the root system. We, we need uh, engagement of people's heart, head, hands, and habits within that tree metaphor. It's the trunk, the branches, and the system of nourishment, which is called Soviet. In Spanish, that translates to English as lifeblood. What's the lifeblood of any organization? It's people, right? And the goal of engagement is leading to empowerment. Does that sound familiar? Sounds very familiar. So you think about empowerment. Remember when we were kids learning to ride a bike. And if you're like most of us, you know, your listeners out there, you probably started on a trike or some big wheel or something. And then you got on a a bike, but it had training wheels. So you couldn't kind of fall over. And then it was time to take the training wheels off. And either your mom or your dad or your brother or your sister uh, pushed you down the street. And you might have fallen a few times, but then you got the hang of it. And remember that feeling of freedom when you finally were empowered to ride your bike yourself, and it opened up a whole new world of places you can go. So think about that with your team members at work, that idea of empowerment by engaging their heart, their head, their hands, and their habits. And then accountability leads to achievement. What are our outcomes? What what do we? Uh, what matters most? What are our obstacles? Did anyone remember COVID? Um, and I, we all had to pivot and uh, the world of work has changed since then right mm. and then outliers who are best practices we can learn from to do what we do today better but then uh, you know you, you you don't want obsolescence and that's where innovation comes in to help us grow into a future state and then that leads to fulfillment of people place process and performance right that leads to an environment that creates that nurture that nurturing environment where, where you're able to grow up into your full potential, just like that, um, you know, uh, fig tree in my backyard, right? Yeah. It could grow in different environments, but when it's planted in the most fertile environment and given the benefit of sun, oxygen, and water, it's going to grow into its full potential. Yeah, And, and so this idea had me thinking about leading differently and with a more humanistic approach. So I don't like to use the word manager, and I hate the word boss. I believe words matter. And so, again, a leader is someone that people want to follow. But now I'll take it a step further and talk about what's, you know, in this new world of work, what's most important? It's, you know, we've got the great resignation that happened uh, based on toxic work environment, not because I said it, but the Sloan School of Management at MIT did a survey of 34 million people who left the workforce during COVID. The number one answer, over 10x higher than the second most given answer, was toxic work environment. Yeah. It's as people said, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. Right? We, we saw that life is short. We may have gotten COVID ourselves or a family member or someone may have been hospitalized or maybe, God forbid, someone we know and love actually died. And so it gave us a sense of mortality, a bit of a timeout, to reflect deeply on not only, you know, what, but who matters most in our lives, and I think now you've got this younger generation who uh, didn't come up with the same uh, kind of consideration or expectation of what work should be. Like many of us in my generation grew up in a very linear path, which is go to school, get good grades, get a job, get promoted, get married, have a few kids, put away a lot of money for college, and then somewhere around the age of 65 ride right off into the sunset and retire. Well, that's not the way it is. And it's a myth that maybe uh, was passed down from our, our forefathers. But today, uh, people want purpose in their lives. And so being able to connect with them on a human level and appeal to their sense of purpose um, is really important. Not, again, because I say so, but the science of purpose gave us some research that said individuals with a connection to their purpose experience 63% increase in wealth, leadership, effectiveness, and fulfillment. Sound familiar? They learn twice as much. They're four times more engaged. and get this, 175% more productive. That's almost two people worth. So we talk about quiet quitting, or as Gallup talks about, you know, uh, historically low levels of engagement. There's ways to get around that. Um, And companies need to learn that because companies with connection to their purpose experience higher margins as purposeful firms are 30% more innovative. 73% of customers are willing to switch to higher purpose brands and pay more for them. There are higher levels of retention and tenure. It gets after the quiet quitting and lack of engagement. And 54% uh, report more fulfilling work relationships, which we know from Gallup studies are uh, indicative to having a more engaged workforce so that epiphany and that kind of pivot if you will and i hate that word but i just used it um, got me thinking how can i lead differently in this new world of work and so we'll talk a little bit about a new model that's not in the book but it's a tease for what's coming to your listeners and it's really uh very powerful
1: well, I mean, you, <laughs> please, you know, you
2: teasing us. I want to hear what is this? What is this new model? Uh, okay. I'm I'm telling you, it sounds like you, you uh, and I, again, are both in sync with what you yeah. do and your beliefs and your metaphor for growth. Cause I'm a growth junkie. I love growth in all of its forms. And you just taught me something new today. And I love to learn. I, I'm a big believer in in curiosity and learning and, and, and continued growth uh, throughout our lives. Um, So I got to thinking about this idea. I mean, with this age now of machine learning and artificial intelligence and augmented reality, it seems like we're going more uh, tech heavy and we've forgotten about the human inside all of us. And so, you know, I want to put the human back in human resources.
1: I, you know what, I always say that. Do you? Uh, I got. I got to. We got to you know, join forces, you know, maybe, man. You know, maybe we we are twins. <laughs> I, I I have to find what what I was saying, but I'm curious to hear what you mean by the human and the human resources, and then I'll find something I wrote to you and I'll read it to you. Uh, okay, I think, it's, I think
2: it's really interesting that we're
1: in sync with this.
2: Well, you know, it's seriously, until the robots or zombies yeah. come and take us away, at the end of the day, we're all human beings. And we all have basic needs, and we go back to uh, spiritual principles about this idea. We go back to Maslow and his hierarchy of needs. Um, you know, we 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 could look at you know the Gallup study, you know, which says the reason why there are people that are disengaged are you know five key reasons: lack of clarity of expectations, lack of connection to the mission or purpose of the company. Lack of opportunities to learn and grow, like were mm-hmm. just talking about, opportunities to do what the employee does best, and get this, feeling cared about at work. So I summed up that and said, you know, those are all very human things that should be very simple. You know what's missing? Love. All we need is love, as the Beatles sang. And love is a model which stands for listen, observe, value, and empower.
1: Oh, my gosh.
2: This is... So <laughs> Listen to someone deeply, and, and you listen to what not only are they saying, but what are they not saying? We're all humans, and we take you know our whole self into the workplace. And back in the day, it was well, you know, keep that weak crap out of here. Just keep your nose to the grindstone. We don't want to hear about your personal life. Yeah. Blah blah blah. Well, today we do. Because yeah. we're we 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 got that time out during COVID. We got a chance to go on Zoom calls like this. We got a chance to see people in all stages of dress when they show up at work, they're always, you know, looking good and at their best. And then we got kids and dogs and cats running around in the background. We know that they're human beings, right? So yeah. you want to listen to people and 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 what are their fears? You know, uh, is it a, 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 a promised coming recession that, that I hope doesn't happen, but is it that maybe AI might take your job? Is it maybe that you had a fight with your spouse or maybe you have a, a son or daughter that's, it, it, you know, getting ready for surgery or whatever it is, it's bound to impact the quality of your work and the, in your engagement level, right? So yeah. a leader should listen to their team member, not their employee or worker or staffer their team member and why do i say that because words matter so i talked about the bike idea think about a time maybe you played youth sports and for me it was always like this nail-biting time when you did the tryouts and then the coach said okay tuesday at 10 o'clock i'm going to put who made the team on my office door and so everybody's rushing there at 10 o'clock to see if their name was on there and if it is and you see your name, maybe you see your number and the position that you're assigned, you feel this sense of duty. Uh, You're not only happy that you made the team, but now you feel this sense of duty that, that, you know, you've got to look after your team members, right? And you want to, to not be that guy who lets someone down. So by listening to them, you make them human, then observing them and observing means encouraging coaching in real time don't wait for the dreaded annual performance appraisal no one likes no one does well i live here in kansas city as we talked about home of the world champion kansas city chiefs and andy Reid, patrick mahomes hey taylor swift too by the way Swifties out there i'm sure i mean we can't we it's all over <laughs> and so andy reed wouldn't wait for the end of the season coach and encourage his team he does it in real time they have it on every practice field every film session it's all about getting better and the players have expectations as to what they're supposed to be doing and how they can make sure they help each other so that the play doesn't break down patrick mahomes is no good if he's lying on his back because somebody missed a block right and so this idea of, of observe is is really important and coaching in real time and then valuing valuing the whole person You know, I look at again as this four-circle Venn diagram. We represent four realms of service, and I believe Simon Sinek is a super smart guy. And this whole start with why, um, you know, TED Talk years ago really kind of created a reawakening among the you know people about the empower uh, the power of purpose, right? But instead of starting with why, I think we should start with who, Mm -hmm. and specifically who we serve, because I think about who I serve. There's spiritual realm, there's a personal realm, family, friends, neighbors, communities. There's a professional realm, my team members, My maybe it's all my stakeholders, uh, including my communities, and then there's there's me, my personal self. And I'm no good at those other three realms if I'm not taking care of my you know, mind, body, spirit, and soul. So if we think about us as whole people, how do you value the whole person? Yes. And not just the worker who does the what in the how, you know, in the why, how, what approach. And then finally, that idea of empowerment. I, I, I go back to that bike analogy, and I just think it's so powerful for people to think in their mind about how they felt when they first learned to ride a bike. Now, you as a leader, how do you think that makes you feel when you see
0: someone
2: that you've coached and mentored uh, ride on their own, right? Just like a proud parent says, ah, look at Kyle, You're learning to ride a bike by himself. Now I'm going to be worried about where he goes, but that's a separate thing. The pride of seeing um, their child, uh, you know, excel on their own and empowering a a new level of growth and maturity brings a sense of freedom for, for everybody involved and a sense of accomplishment and satisfaction, dare I say, fulfillment. So this idea of love doesn't cost anything. It doesn't add any penny to the bottom line or to the the labor. um, It adds to the bottom line. It doesn't add to the labor line, right? It's it's just about being more human because as Malzal said, we all need to give love and feel love and we need to be be, able to say that we're listened to or observed, that we're valued and we're empowered. And when you do that, who wants to quietly quit that? Who wants to resign from that? That's an environment that we're all craving, and it's time we put the idea of love into the workplace. You, I couldn't agree
1: more. And uh, you know, uh, <laughs> a lot of what you're saying resonates with me. And I, and I'll read what I what I said when you said the human resources, because I think it's something you're gonna. You're going to really wonder if we can trace back our family lines to. So, but <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, well, we
2: look so alike. I so mean, I'm, you I'm know, it'll sure yeah. we'll be easy—just a couple generations. Yeah,
1: a couple of generations, couple of shades a color, a couple of melanin. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so like this is over a month ago. I, I I wrote um in my platforms, and I I was asking this question. So I said, are leaders in the healthcare industry as a whole truly taking care, or taking care of? and showing concern for the health of their employees and consumers? Do human resources, human resource divisions rather, possess sufficient resources to prioritize humanization as a whole? Are directors skilled in directing individuals towards solutions and growth opportunities? Managers have necessary skills to effectively manage both people and projects. Do companies with mission and vision statements have leaders who actively make it their mission to guide their employees towards the envisioned goals. When searching for the root causes of workplace issues, it's often within the job titles, units, or divisions that solutions and ideas for sustainable change can be found. If you aim to truly embody your job title and prioritize the well-being of those you serve, you'll be more attuned to identifying systemic issues at an earlier stage. And when enough people regularly coordinate on addressing these issues accountability transparency and trust can emerge creating a healthy and productive workplace environment i like you believe words matter and i when i'm often brought on or even when i'm working inside a company i'm often looking at what it is (laughs) that your title says And whether you're living up to that and the idea of human resources and whether people have enough resources for humanization or whether people are able to be human with using the resources they have is always something that has fascinated me because of the dichotomy that does exist sometimes within company where human resources can sometimes be seen as the enemy of the rest of the employees. And uh, and leaders can sometimes feel like the enemy because they're focusing on the consumers more than maybe the people that they should you know uh, have uh, which is their employees right or they should concern yeah. so it's all these dichotomies that i constantly think about how can you think about all these things in tandem without having an either or the nuance of humanization in the age yeah. of ai is going to be something we need to prioritize even more so than ever before
2: yeah. Uh, first of all, I love what you wrote, and I really appreciate you sharing that with me and your your listeners because that that was not only inspirational but something that uh, again I just got smarter today. So I appreciate uh, that.
1: You inspired it. You know, you just reminded me because I I, uh, I I think about it. So this is a ping pong game uh, here. So well, it, it, here, know, here is
2: how people in leadership positions, I believe, have right. to look at the whole right, it, and there are four stakeholders. Notice I didn't say shareholders. I don't care if you're publicly traded. That's mm-hmm. a source of capital. That's all it is. Right. But you look at your four stakeholders. And again, I come back to this four circle Venn diagram because it's all intertwined. It's not linear. There is your team members. okay, And there are your guests or your customers. Uh, then there are your business partners that could be shareholders. They could be uh, service providers, they could be distributors, they're, they could be manufacturers, depending on your industry, right? But they're everybody in your business ecosystem. And then there is your community. What? Yeah. You got to look after other people. Your motives have to match this idea of purpose and profit, not or. It is not an either or proposition. Yeah. And there are zillions of case studies of, and, and great examples of companies who who do you know, do well by doing good. And and think about it, you know, governments have not proven to be effective in getting after some of our, our issues, right? Religious organizations and nonprofits can only do so much, but businesses have the resources to be able to get after some of the major issues that face our world and our local communities, right? And so that's where that purpose comes from. So if you have purposeful growth in the center of that four circle Venn diagram, all revolving around your stakeholders, you're going to be very successful. And now from a brand builder, as, as my background, I look at a brand as four kind of dimensions. So think of it as 4D branding, right? And everyone's like, well, wait a minute, Mark, what are you talking about? It's it's <laughs> McDonald's, it's Cheesecake Factory, it's you know whoever, right, that you work right. for. No, right. it's actually, that's, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts, but here are the sum of its parts. Again, you start with personal brand and it's getting a lot of publicity in the last few years as people are more and more comfortable talking about who they are, who they serve, how they're, uh, you, know, you know, why they're motivated, how they're uniquely gifted their superpowers and then what they do. So I look at that whole Simon Sinek model of why, how and what, and I add the who. And I break it down that way. Who do I serve? Why am I um, you know, motivated to do what I do? What's my purpose? And then how am I uniquely gifted? What are my strengths? What are my superpowers? And then what do I do, right? Yeah. So if you think about that as a personal brand, every one of us has it, and it's all going to be different. And it answers the question, who am I? Well, now you have an internal brand. This is the collective we, right? so you can't just have a bunch of chaotic you know personal brands out there they now have to co- they have to coalesce into an internal brand which answers the question what do we stand for and this is when you get into a shared uh, vision mission and values right we 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 have to be aligned on those things right we and do. and then you have the external brand right yeah. that's what most people think the brand is because it's it's customer facing It's community facing, it's media facing. And that's great, but that really answers the question, what value is exchanged here? Because at the end of the day, no matter what your uh, industry or service sector is, we're all creating a value exchange. What do I get or what do I pay, right? And and then comes, aren't we done? No, the last Mm. one's really important. That's why these are integrated, like four circles in a Venn diagram. It's not linear. It's the employer brand. Now that answers the question, do I belong here? Am I going to attract new people into working for, for my whole brand? Um, am I going to retain the best and brightest who I have? Um, and i going to live up to my promises in each of those other areas. That's true. right. And so a good brand builder needs to be able to work within each of those four dimensions of a brand to create this holistic 4D brand where the sum is greater or the whole is greater, excuse me, than the sum of its parts. Now, why did I say in that last uh, piece of do I belong here? This comes back to the idea that words matter, dioma. It's you think about uh, DEI and we're making progress, but we need to make more. Mm -hmm. But if you think about it this way, diversity just gets us in the door. That's good. Equity gives us an equal voice, better yet. Inclusion gets us a seat at the table, hallelujah. But if we don't feel like we belong, we're likely not going to feel vulnerable enough to give of our very best. Yeah, We don't want to rock the boat, right? You know, quote Hamilton, we just want to be in the room where it happens. In the room where <laughs> it
1: happens, yeah. Right?
2: And, and so that doesn't do anybody any good. And if someone doesn't feel like they belong, they're likely going to leave that firm. Because it's not enough just to be in the room where it happens. They want to be valued. They want to be treated and loved, as I mentioned to you, listened to, observed, valued, and empowered. And that, to me, is the new um, kind of lock that needs to be unlocked among leaders today. Because it's a different form of leadership. It's a different way of managing than we've all been taught. Most of us grew up in a command and control style, which really originated back after World War II when the GIs came back from the war and they saw you know, a way of conducting business was command and control, and that got results, right? Well, that worked for many years. As a matter of fact, there are several people um, that have written books that we revere, uh, everyone from Jack Welch at GE to if you're old enough to remember Lee Iacocca from Chrysler who turned that brand around in the mid eighties mm-hmm. to even Steve jobs at Apple. And, and it created arguably the most valuable company in the world. But I believe those people's leadership styles today wouldn't work. It wouldn't, especially Steve jobs, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. right. And, yeah. and so it's because managers haven't been taught how to be leaders and I'll take it a step further, Tile. How to be legacy builders. Wait, well, it's the title mean? of the book,
1: right? That's the last wow. year, leadership to legacy builders.
2: Well, think about that uh, uh, fig tree in my backyard. It mm-hmm. not only grows fig leaves that bear fig fruit, but what's inside that fig fruit? Seeds to help grow new trees. So, this idea of legacy is not defined as something of value we bequeath after we're gone. It's about what can we do every single day to add value, to love our team members, to love all people in a way that makes them feel listened to, observed, valued, and empowered. And because I'm a big believer that words matter and and phrases matter, I call it pay it backwards. Most people think, well, isn't that paying it forward? Mm -hmm. Well, no, not the way I look at it as you'll read in my book, um, I'm a big growth junkie, but also a big Starbucks junkie. And so when I go through the drive-thru, I'll pay for the car behind me. And as I'm driving away, I'll say a silent prayer for that person. I don't know who they are. They don't know me. I don't know what they may be going through in their life that day. But I got to believe that in that moment, they feel loved. And so I also believe in the law of reciprocity, which states that If someone does something nice for you, you're going to feel some deep-seated urge to do something nice for someone else, and oftentimes in greater measure. And it's kind of the the metaphor of a ripple effect at a pond, right? Mm -hmm. And they may be moved to pay for the car behind them and the car behind them and the car behind them. And don't you know, or wouldn't you think, that wherever they're going that day, they're going to tell somebody else, this just happened to me. Some random guy just paid for my... My breakfast or whatever, right? And and I'll tell the person at the window. I'll say to them, uh, please just tell them, God bless you. Your debt has been paid. And so not only did they get a free cup of coffee, but they got a blessing. And don't you think that barista at the the window was going to tell others about it, right? And so you're creating this living legacy, where hopefully you're impacting the hearts and minds and spirit and souls of another human being than to go out and do likewise. So really creating a movement. And so that's what I'm trying to do with the purposeful growth revolution is to create a movement uh, that gets people to not only think differently and feel differently, but act differently. I, you know, I I could talk to you (laughs) all day (laughs) because I I
1: think, you know, one of the things I just want to remind the audience of a lot of what, you know, Mark has discussed here is, who really talking about how, you know, love, humanization, those values can work in tandem with the, you know, the hard skills that people are often, often prioritized. And, yeah. you know, you, you like Simon Siddick, I like Simon Siddick as well. I like the, the reframe. I was listening to something he had said the other day, and it was something to the effect of how a lot of workplaces have prioritized you know, people that are just high skill and just, <laughs> and and they, they you know high performers, right, you know, just well done performers. And oftentimes, they're not as good with people management skills. And right. then there are the people that are like the medium performers who are great <laughs> with, uh, you know, uh, people. And he was saying, do you know, with his research, he saw that companies that had more of those medium performers with great people skills ended up being more successful than those people that were High performers and lacked, you know, the ability to actually relate to others. And I, I thought that was interesting. You know, I, you know, I have to dive further yeah. into that research, obviously, but I, I can see some of that thread coming in there. You know, you think about the virtual workforce. It's hard to create those human touch points uh right now in many workplaces. And so if you're not intentional about yeah. that do you really know the work style or the person or what the triggers are of said person, right? That goes out the window. There's a new generation coming to the workforce. They have uh, more expectations of the companies they work for, right? You know, who do you support? They will look up all those things. Are you able to be able to navigate Creating a space where more voices want to be spoken for, and then you can determine what respect is for you, because it it varies in different generations, yeah. and and all those things require understanding people. Mm-hmm.
2: Yes. Yeah. And <laughs> so yeah. Uh, yeah. And 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 it's 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 not hard. It's not complicated, but but it's difficult to get started because everyone's fearing if 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 I, if I go this way or people are going to think I've gone soft. Right. Um, You know, and then you start your own uh, fear, uncertainty, doubt, and delay, which I call in my book, FUD, we got to get the FUD out, you know, the fear of what will they think, the uncertainty of giving up an unsatisfying status quo to do something that maybe you feel called to do the idea of uh, doubt, those background voices that like wet cement start to harden. If we listen to them, uh, that are all lies, and then finally delay, which is after those three things, who want to do anything about it, I'll just give myself a shot of dopamine for the moment, and I'll I'll come back to that later, and oftentimes, we delay taking action, uh, and even if it's not 100% perfect, it shouldn't be, it never will be, yeah. As a matter of fact, I have what I call the 80% right rule, if you have 80% of the information, you should make a decision, because A, if you wait for 100%, that likely won't come anyway, you'll probably miss the opportunity, yeah, and your point about those who are, are the, the high performers, the rainmakers that are all just about performance, um, oftentimes uh, they're impacting the productivity uh, and mental health go. and well-being of there people you go. around them. Yes. So while they may be succeeding, they're bringing down the average, actually, because people are like, you know, you guys talk about these this vision, this mission, the values that we are supposed to share this guy or this gal, you know, uh, runs roughshod over those values. And yet you guys keep promoting them and you guys, Hey, why should we follow it? I've heard that people have said that to me. Yeah. Um, and I was, I waited too long and, and, and think about the rose bush. We'll go back to the plant metaphor. It only grows if you prune it back, but sometimes there are branches that are just dead and you gotta, you gotta prune them off. Right. So you want to prove the ones that are living to help make them grow bigger, fuller, stronger. But you got to get rid of the ones that are dead because they're only going to suck nutrients away from the living ones, right? Mm -hmm. And so you got to make a tough decision. Sometimes it says, look, we we may hurt this quarter in productivity because we lost Bob or Sally or whomever, right? But we're going to gain the trust and respect of the rest of the team because they saw we didn't stand for it. We took action. And now they're going to be more engaged and, and more trusting going forward. I'm beaming. I just love it. Because,
1: <laughs> you know, I always like to have conversations in the podcast with me. It's just, you know, enough to know the themes. I always do the research. But one of the beautiful things about having a conversation, right? We're both humanizing each other is the art of asking the right questions, which I feel like yeah. you're really good at, can really open up someone. And yeah. I, I, when I was doing... Uh, research for you i was like let me just i want to i want to start with this epiphany thing because i felt like understanding and identifying the root of your purpose would open the conversation to certain things and i feel yeah. like a lot of leaders need to be able to do the same yeah. for their team members like you said right do you understand the right type of question that can get the right type of motivation you were talking about how to increase productivity up to 175 percent yeah Get to the root of the purpose, and then you can figure out where how they can grow and how you can manage and lead and, and direct them. And that, that's, yeah. to, some, to some degree, it takes some level of humility, but it yeah. also a sense of awareness, right? You, you know, I came, my parents are from a generation where you, you just did what they said no. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there was no question asking and so there's some yeah. you know there's a there's a level of understanding that as well where you're like okay let me let me be proactive about that so i just want to thank you for for um, creating a platform and um, a framework that allows people to ask the right question and and really focus on who so uh well yeah. done
2: on your part well thank you and i you know i remember my dad was when he was preparing me to go to the workplace after you know college and grad school and he's like you know I remember my first boss Mark told me if you don't come in on Saturday, don't bother coming back in on Sunday. And then he handed me the key to the office door and said, "This is your key. You know how to use it." And he told me that like, "Oh my God!" And so early in my career, I was working till ten o'clock almost every night because I thought that's what you had to do. Yeah. And I literally um, went through some anxiety and panic attacks because I had never known that feeling before. Yeah. I was. Serving three different, and I'll I'll call them bosses. They weren't leaders, but I'll, but they were giving me stuff to do. And here I am thinking I'm, you know, I got to get all this done. And and they weren't talking amongst each other. And it wasn't till I literally came to them and said, "We we got to talk about this because I'm I'm like burning myself out at age twenty six, and uh, I'm not sure you guys realize you know what you're asking me to do. And if you've coordinated among the three of you, and they're like, no, we didn't know, we didn't know." But if you don't raise your hand and say, you know, I can't continue along this path, it's going to burn me out. It's going to make me less productive when I'm um, at work. It's going to hurt my other relationships outside of work. And it's going to impact my health. And so I applaud this new world of work. I applaud that we're having these conversations that I guarantee you we wouldn't have had before COVID. Yeah, And I also believe there's a reason... Um, I went through my own FUD getting this book out. I told you the epiphany happened about 10 years ago. Yeah. Right? I only got it out last fall because I put it off. I put it off. I I, I kind of worked on it a while then, until I finally just had to get my own FUD out and get out of my own way and get it done. And I believe God's timing is the right timing, not mine. Had this book come out three or four years ago, I don't think it would have registered. Even though I had those thoughts back then, the fact that it came out when it did, now it's at the perfect time in history to finally make sense for people. Yeah. And, and I'm providing them with a roadmap, a literally start to finish roadmap of how to do it uh, in this book. And the the the, the way to get started, uh, and I don't know if you had a chance to do this yet, but you go to my website at markadnears.com, yes. you take this personal growth self-assessment mm-hmm. and it goes through the four key sections of the book Mm -hmm. And in your own words, you're providing the scores for each of the questions. And when you're done, it takes about five or six minutes. Hopefully it took about that much for you. You can immediately download the results and get a free PDF copy that shows your results, as well as what I call seeds for growth, which are kind of tips and tools that, that I provide after each question. And then that'll provide a benchmark as to where you stand with this idea of purposeful growth but it also shows you where maybe your company stands yeah. with the notion of purpose and the, of the ability for them to help you grow into your full potential. So this is this is uh, a, a turning point in history as to this new world of work. They're already testing four day work weeks in the UK and the test so far went really, really well that every company who participated found greater profitability, greater productivity, greater retention, Uh, to where all of the firms that agreed to participate in the test said we're going to keep going except for just two. So I think we're going to start to see more of that as we have the hybrid work environment. And your question is a good one. So in this hybrid world of work, how do we create community? Yeah. And to me, that's the most important thing. And and that's the, the last thing I'll leave you with is we talk a lot about culture and we should. It's not a bad word, but I believe A better word is community. When you think about it, a culture may just be a place we feel like we're part of, whereas a community is a place we feel like we belong in. And going back to that importance of belonging, I believe the new style of leadership will be to create many communities within your teams and then ladder up to the macro community within your organization. And this idea of creating communities versus culture, which is often overused and and, and maybe misunderstood, uh, is a bit of a buzzword. If we start thinking about communities that we're in, it could be, you know, like I mentioned, uh, uh, a team that you participated in, in sports or band or a church or a community activist group, whatever it is, or your family, your friends, your neighbors, those are communities. How do you feel? You feel like you belong and it comes back to the importance of belonging. If you make people feel like you belong, uh, they belong by showing them love, listen, observe, value, and empower. Then you're really going to hit your goals because you're definitely right. You have to have the hard skills because if you don't have that, it doesn't matter. But if you have the hard skills, how you coalesce them and the team together, again, back to that notion of all oars in the water rowing together. And gliding the skull swiftly down the channel to victory. That is what your goal is. And everybody ends up a winner.
1: Wow. Well, I mean, thank you so much. I I mean, I only, I'm winding down the interview right now. And first of all, where can people get your book? And then I'll ask my last question.
2: Yeah, it's available on Amazon or Barnes and Noble. Um, It's The Purposeful Growth Revolution. Four ways to grow from leader to legacy builder. And it's by Mark A. Mears. And uh, I would love for you uh, to pick up the book. It's available as a hardcover or paperback or a Kindle ebook. And I'm about to start recording an audiobook that will come out early next year for those of you who are more uh, interested in, in, in that form or that platform of book. And then I invite you to, if you enjoyed this conversation, reach out to me on LinkedIn and let's connect and uh, let's keep the conversation going because I want to learn from you. I love it. And uh, I'll make sure I put all of those
1: links in the show notes. And so uh, this you. has been this has been a real pleasure. I really enjoyed this uh, conversation. So thank you for making my Friday here. Uh, oh, thanks, fun. Tyle. <laughs> Appreciate it. Uh, well, the last question is my mission statement reframed as a question. So
2: Mark, how do you use your difference to make a difference? Ooh, you use your difference to make a difference. Well, I put together, um, and I, uh, this shouldn't shock you, um, a purpose statement a few years back as I was working on this book project. And I said, you know, uh, as someone who's a brand builder, who's worked on marketing plans, you know, I got to have my own, right? Mm-hmm. For my personal brand. And so I was building my personal brand. And I have to have a purpose statement that's going to be my North Star, that's going to guide me on anything and everything I do. And it is, I don't want to just make money and retire. I want to make a difference and inspire. And that means making a difference in the lives of others, as I mentioned before, by paying it backward and inspiring them to want to do likewise, that whole ripple effect. So for me, um, I look at the fact that we're all given by our creator gifts, talents, whatever you want to call them. Um, and I try to use the ones that I've been given. I don't have that that many, Tayo, but the ones that I do... I want to turn into a living legacy
0: Oof.
2: so that every single day, we're all given 24 hours and I don't care who you are, you know what your demographics are, where you are in the world, what time zone you're in. We all have 24 hours in a day and how we use it is the most important um, aspect of the value that we create and the use of the talents and gifts that we've been given. I just participated in something I found on uh, LinkedIn. It was called the 31 Days of Kindness. And every day they give you an email of something to do that day to demonstrate kindness. And I went through the full 31 days and I got to thinking, that's how you build habits, right? You do things over and over intentionally, not randomly when the spirit moves you, but intentionally. So my goal now is to how I can be more intentional to use my gifts, my talents, to help others along their growth journey and grow into their full potential.
1: Wow. That's a beautiful way to round up this interview. And uh, thank you, first of all, for reminding us to be human. And thank you for reminding us about the responsibility we have to ourselves as well as to the people that we care for. And so I really hope that this not only gives employees the That empowerment to be able to advocate for themselves, but also on the flip side, leaders to be able to understand that they need to be proactive when it comes to creating a safe environment where people feel like they can belong. So appreciate that.
2: Yes, my pleasure. Uh Thank you for uh, having me on. And uh, I I pray blessings on you and your listeners and hope this was a value. It was. And same to you.
1: Same to you, Mark. But uh, pinks, coins, and royalty until next time. Use a difference to make a difference.